still my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul. Thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know. His voice who ruled them while he dwells below. Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on, when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, Love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past. All safe and blessed we shall meet at last. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace have they which love thy law. That's Psalm 119, 165. The, um, I found uh, quite a few places in the Bible where it says that Jesus Christ is the word of God. And what that tells me is that um, whenever we're reading God's word, that Jesus is speaking to us. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. When we read when we read the Bible, we're acknowledging Him. We prize His Word so highly. 
that we are investing our time. We're investing our time into focusing on what he has to say to us. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my my delight and my counselors. Verse 45, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Verse 72, the law of thy mouth is better to, unto me than thousands of silver and gold, gold and silver. And again, verse 165, great Peace have they which love thy law. Just as I was sitting down below, I was thinking about Martha and Mary, you know. And I was saying, when I was in camp, I was Martha, you know. And everybody else was Mary, like... Um, because when I'm in camp, I'm thinking about menus and I'm thinking about this, that, and the other. But, <clears throat> well, you know, when I get into uh, hear some preaching, I'm only there about 20 minutes and then I'm gone because I have to go back again and do something else. So it wasn't until the final day, the Friday, the Saturday morning, that I got a message and it came from the testimonies that was referred to by Eric earlier on between 10 and 11. The testimonies from the men at the New Hope, the New Hope Residential Centre showed me two things about myself that my heart was hard and that I was ungrateful. Uh, here were young men and older men like giving testimonies of how God changed their lives from hopelessly addicted uh, to new life in Christ. And each had his own story of how God's, you know, sought them, found them like, and how, you know, you know, sending out his salvation through others that, you know, that they had already been freed and they were passing the message on to these guys, you know. And they were so grateful for the message that they got. And as soon as, uh, as soon as I turned into, as I tuned into the different testimonies, there were two things that were evident to me. First of all, gratitude. Um, um, that came through their testimonies. The first thing that came through was the gratitude. They were so grateful to be freed, to be, you know, and that they were found. And they were filled with joy because they were free. So... They each had their own verses to go along with what they had to say, you know. Uh, and they find that when they were reading the Bible that this helped them along the way. Um, it gave them direction. There was one lad there, he spoke about uh, the, promise, the, 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 the promises that are given to the Jews about the promised land. And he, he honed in on his verse and he said, I'm living that verse now. He says, I'm in the promised land. He said, everything that, I, uh, everything that was taken off me is given back to me. I have a place to stay, I have food. And he said, you know, he was so just so grateful he was... He had this verse and he was living it out in his life. He compared his present life, free from drugs and alcohol, and working, working, uh, working, and a place to stay as his promised land. He said he was living the promise out in, in his life right now. So every testimony that I heard uh, spoke something into my own heart. I needed to hear from them because I was thirsty to hear what I heard, you know. 
I, I had been ministered to it, there's no doubt about it. I needed to be reminded where I had come from myself in my own addiction and how my own needs were met, you know. And the burden of addiction was taken off me when I got saved. Um, when, when, as soon as I got saved, I knew that, I, you know, that the drink was gone. And for six months, I couldn't believe that I was gone, you know. And the stress and the strain about trying to stay sober, that was gone as well. And I had my own verse as well that I picked up just reading from the Bible. And it was Galatians 5.1. It said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ had made you free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. I spent many years in the yoke of bondage, uh, going to different places, um, self-help programs, um, psychotherapists, psychoanalysts, psychologists, all sorts of people. And everybody did their, their best to help me, but nobody could relieve me of the addiction, of the, the actual compulsion to drink. Uh, and Jesus did that when I got saved. So, you know, Jesus came and made me free. And um, not only from my alcohol, also but from the sin, from the penalty and the power of sin. So, you know, all those that went into the ark were saved. They got off on the other side, you know. And what I want to say is, like, you know, anyone's in Christ is going to get off at the other side, you know. You're going to make it all the way if you're in Christ. And if you go to Acts chapter... Acts chapter 15. I want to talk just a little bit about bondage, you know. Acts chapter 15. I'm just going to read verses 7 to 11. And this is the first Christian council. And this was, you know, at that time when you got saved, this was a new thing for the Jews, you know. And they thought you should go under the law as, as well as being saved, like to, to have a testimony for God. That's not, that, that was not it. In verse 7 it says, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And so he did unto us as well when we believed, okay? And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. So, you know, you, do, you don't have to please God with trying to work out a righteousness you know, that's based on the law. Your righteousness has been given to you in Christ. And what, what I'm saying to you is rejoice. Like, rejoice in the fact that you're saved. And if, you're, if you too are, are kind of like down in your, in, your, in your walk with God at the moment, Try and find some uh, testimonies of other Christians that got saved and, you know, let that seep into you and be reminded again of the great truths of the Bible, like that you're saved, you're on your way to heaven and uh, rejoice over that. That's all. Let's turn our Bible into James one twenty two. The Bible said that but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. And then let's go to James two. Verse 14 and 17. 
what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Seven, verse 17. Even so, if it hath not works, if, if it hath, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And let's turn to Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And I just want to talk about uh, Noah's obedience to towards God. That it's kind of like amazing how um, he trusted God even. He have he haven't seen rain yet, but when God told him to 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 build to build an ark, he just did it with it without even any questions. And the Bible said that in verse verse seven chapter Hebrews eleven verse seven that uh, he was moved with fear. It, it didn't mean that this the Bible was talking about godly fear, not like worldly fear that worldly fear that it means that uh, like he 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 covered himself like under the blanket or but he he was it means that he was motivated when when God told him to do it like he just did and then uh, but today uh, most of us is still as Christian that we read our Bible but then we don't follow what it's it's saying but um yeah, and I remember as well when after I got saved that even like I find like I turn my I got backslide and then I sin, uh, my life is miserable. Like I'm not happy. So like I think as Christians we shouldn't be happy. We're disobeying God. We should be. We we should feel our life should be miserable. And yeah, uh, the, Jesus also said that. If we love him, we should keep his, his commandments. And yeah, that's all. Uh, testimony there was, um, I suppose, for the... I, I've been to every one of these, uh, I think, for the last 20, 21 years. I'm not sure if there were more. But uh, it's... Um, gets more interesting every year, I suppose, you know, I mean, starting at very humble beginnings, but we're now almost international with it, in that uh, people are coming from Scotland and Wales, and you know, we had someone from Sweden last year, you know, so, but uh, um, Eric said something <laughs> quite uh, important there this morning, where he said that the, the preaching is up a notch, and uh, certainly you get that with a roomful of people who know a lot of the Bible for a start, but you actually get the cream of that speaking at these events. And certainly there were, there were um, uh, a lot of very interesting points put across. One mojo point for me was when Kevin was talking and he mentioned, you know, in the Bible there's a pattern of events that generally follows the same pattern. 
And I was thinking, um, you know, I'd recently been looking at, at, you know, people have different viewpoints on, for example, the rapture and when that's going to take place. But of course, in Noah's case, uh, it took place before they entered the ark. And again, it was the same with Solomon Gomorrah. It was before they were taken out of the city. So it's obviously going to be before uh, with our current situation, which, by the way, with the wickedness of the world that's there at the moment, mightn't be too far away also, because, as you know, it, it, the Bible says, as in Noah's day, so it was in the coming of, of man. And, I mean, Keith Hamilton made the point that there were uh, something like one and a half thousand uh, pedophiles arrested. In fact, there's a lot more. I've learned since Trump came into office that something being over 3,000 arrested. And that's only the... Um, uh, I was looking at something there on um, YouTube the other evening, and it blew me away. There's 122 million children being trafficked in the world today. And that was with a, a, an interview with someone. I mean, can that tell you how evil the world is and what a cover-up is, <coughs> is going on when this is not mentioned in the news? You know? And the people behind that are covering it up. So we are living in a world I think we're getting very close to the, the end times. And it's nice to know that uh, like in Noah's day uh, we might have a a small group, hopefully we'll get more people aboard, we're trying to warn these people uh, but uh, many aren't listening and uh, many aren't are being blinded by uh, the God of this world who is putting out a different message, but uh, I guess if we do our best and get the message out, hopefully they will be raptured out with us and I think that won't be too far away but uh, anyway, it was great. I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the fun as well in between. Although it's it's uh, it's pretty hard when you're up against uh, kids these days that uh, maybe are fifty years younger than you, and you're trying to uh, uh, run after them. And then you have old guys behind you saying, "Come on, Bill, get going." <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Noah was a man with a mission. He built an ark, and then came the great flood. And because of the ark, I thought, wow, a lot of wood, a lot of trees. And that sparked a thought in my head. So I started looking to see what it said about trees in the Bible. Now, what I have here is definitely not an exhaustive list. And I'm not going to read you list after list after list of trees and things, but let me read a few of you. Because I want to get you get a picture of how significant trees are in God's Word. So some thoughts about trees. Uh, so the first part of that, let me read down the list first, a uh, tree of life, tree of knowledge, tree of the garden, a tree that makes water sweet, a tree pleasant to sight, green tree, green bay tree, palm tree, fig tree, pomegranate tree, almond tree, apple tree, oak tree, willow tree, high tree, and I'm out of breath, low tree, dry tree, crop tree, good tree, an olive tree, cedar wood tree, myrtle tree, fir tree, vine tree, and then the hyssop. I always like the hyssop. Do you know why, anybody? What's significant about the hyssop? It was dipped in blood on the lintel and on the doorposts. And when the angel of the Lord came and saw the blood, he passed over. 
So there's the, there's the hyssop trees mentioned. But my real favourite then is the Shittim. Anybody know where you find the Shittim wood in the Bible? In the tabernacle. And that's simply because I just love reading and studying on the tabernacle. And but one of the things about the Shittim wood that's found in the tabernacle, it says that the wood is, speaks of Christ's humanity. That's the wood part. And then the gold that you read about in that speaks of his divinity. And then when you overlay the gold on the wood, that speaks of God incarnate. Man, fully man and fully God. And then there's gopher wood. Now, some of you, I'm seeing you're smiling already. So some hands I'm not going to take. Where, do, where would we find gopher wood? Anybody? Somebody doesn't know how to put their hand up. In the ark, yes. All right then. For those who are in the ark, in the ark. How many times is gopher wood? Well, let me say this. Vine trees mentioned 58 times. Fir tree 21. Myrtle 6. Cedar wood is mentioned 48 times. Yes, Andrew. <laughs> we had this discussion. <laughs> How many times is gopher wood mentioned in the Bible? One time. Yes, Darren, you're right. One time it's mentioned. Now, I don't want to make a big thing of one, but you think about the flood story in the ark, and gopher wood's mentioned once. Well, the ark speaks of salvation, and the ark itself, that was a one-time event. God gave the rainbow and said he had never flood the earth again. It was a one-time event. That salvation of Noah and his people was a one-time event, just like Calvary. Calvary was a one-time event. So I don't want to make too much of gopher wood mentioned once, because the, the debate is, and it's in our little book that we have for men's camp, that possibly there's a good chance that cedar wood is gopher wood. But there's no record. No one knows really what gopher wood is. Anyway, let's move on. There's sycamine tree, fruit tree, Lebanon wood, apple trees, trees of the field, trees of the wood, trees of the earth. And then there's the wooden cross. You can't forget about the wooden cross. Anybody know what wood it's made of? What tree? Nobody knows. We don't need to know. Because you know why? It's like they haven't found the tabernacle. They Really, there's all sorts of things on YouTube. They haven't found the ark. And if they were to find out what the type of wood with the cross was made of, all possibility would be down worshipping those things. So we don't know what they are. So wood's a major feature throughout the Bible. So here's just a few things, all right? So I'll be jumping along the Bible. Adam was in the garden and he was told to dress it and keep it. That is all the plants and the trees. Um, God said not to eat of the tree of knowledge. The serpent, he questioned Eve about eating off the trees. Eve? She said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees, except the tree in the midst of the garden. Moses, well, he stood at what? A burning bush. And God spoke to him out in the midst of the burning bush. Um, and he said, God said, you're on holy ground. Psalm 1, it tells us the righteous man will be like a tree by the rivers of water. Strong roots nourished by God. And it's, in, it's going to be nourished only by God's word. Then, what about Joseph, jumping away up to the New Testament? Joseph, he was a carpenter. And men, and back in the day, usually taught their sons their trade. And carpenters, you know, they knew about wood, and they knew how to use it. And what about Jesus? What did they say about him? He was a carpenter's son. We don't know, because it doesn't say specifically, but in all probability, Joseph taught him the trade of carpentry. We don't know. We can't read too much into it. Jumping a little bit. Judas, he hung himself on a tree. He was accursed. Then there was two malefactors, thieves. 
malefactors the, uh, is the Bible word. They were crucified on wooden crosses, one on either side of Jesus. And the wooden crosses were made from trees. Then there's the Lord Jesus. He was crucified on a wooden cross. The wooden cross, that's a symbol of Christ's work of salvation. Jesus was crucified on a wooden cross for our sin. Trees, they need to be cut down before we can build with them. And they need to die at the hand of a man with an axe or today a chainsaw. Noah, he had to do this with a gopher wood. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I was sick all through camp. You're done. No, I'm not. And I'm not being carried off this time. I'm nearly finished. Yeah. And he's picking up the pieces. All right. So I have another page to go. I have a page to go and I'm finished. All right. So you may put it away. I'm not listening to you. So when a tree's cut down, it's rough and it's bent with hard knots in it. It needs to be straightened out and needs to be planed and smoothed and sanded to take off the roughness. The tree then needs to be cut to sizes into beams and planks like he did. And Noah and his sons would have cut it to size and shape to make it fit into specific places within the ark. They probably, in all probability, they drilled holes to tie them in, to go through the beams and planks and to hold them together for strength. Noah was working to a plan for building the ark. And the plan was not his. It was God's plan that God gave him to build the ark. But not also was he just working to God's plan to build the ark. God had a plan of salvation with the ark for Noah and his family to save them. They were to be saved in the wooden ark from the flood. And then there was another plan. And that's the plan of salvation that we've availed of. God had a plan for us. And I like John 3.16 like this. You can do it your way. For God so loved Eric that he gave his only begotten son, that if Eric should believe in him, Eric should not perish, but that Eric should have everlasting life. And I have got everlasting life. Jesus died in the wooden cross to pay for the wages of my sin. Jesus' death paid for my sin. But you know what? Once we are saved, God starts to work on us. He works in the parts of our lives that's like hard knots in the wood. And he straightens out the bent parts in our lives. And he takes the parts that are not native. You know, that's like the baggage in our lives. He cuts the wood, the lights that can be used in his plans. You know, you can buy wood. If you go up the, the road to the builder's suppliers. And you can buy wood that's called plain or smooth wood. Or you can buy what's known as rough cut wood. God can use the plain smooth Christian that's been well trained and disciplined. Or he can use the rough cut Christian like Peter that's rough around the edges. And I know people think I'm a little bit rough around the edges. Builders use rough cut wood. And that's used for building stud walls or for forms to stop and hold cement. And usually you find it in the background of strength for holding things in place. So both smooth or rough types are used according to God's plans. Sometimes one piece of wood will be needed. Or one Christian is what's needed for specific use in God's plan. Finish that. But for the most part, a builder uses a pile of wood, or God he uses a group of Christians for his goodwill. So just like different types of wood, God uses Christians of each type. That is the Bible college trained, or the discipled, or the church taught by the preaching of the pastor, or from personal Bible studies at home, and even Christians with little academic background. As builders use new wood in a new house, God uses a new believer. And I'm just looking at the new believer over there. Well, he's not now. He was. And I think about about uh, Ben and how he's witnessed to his family 
and his brothers now in new hope and so on. And he's praying for him and got excited about it. But God uses you, a new believer, a new creature as a tremendous witness because of the change in their life to bring a witness to a family and to workmates. Builders use mature wood, mature hardwoods like oak and teak for specific jobs. God uses mature Christians in the church ministry or even called to missions later in life like Dan and Kathy. These are just to name a few ways God works in a Christian's life. Carpenter works the wood as needed, so does God work in the life of a Christian. Six months after I got saved, I knew I was going to Southern Ireland. Didn't know when, where or how. I was a truck driver. I had a very poor back at the, uh, academic background. But anyway, we went to Bible college part-time for two years. We went uh, different things, and then I went to Baptist College for a year. Then we applied to a missionary uh, organization in Dublin. They accepted us. On the way home, we looked at each other and said, I don't think we're meant to go there. And we didn't. Sure, we're here now. Do you know, then I got to working in the YMCA, and they sent me up and down to Dublin. And I went down on a Tuesday and stayed over to Wednesday, and I worked there two days a week. And then they started sending me to Balancholic, and I came down and worked two days a week, and that lasted for six months. All of that, I didn't know. God was working in my life, preparing me, shaping me, getting me ready to move to Balancholic 23 years ago. God was working in my life. I didn't see it then. It was only with hindsight I was able to see it. So with that thought in mind, sometimes you just can't see the wood for the trees. Um, it's my first time attending the, uh, the camp last year, but unfortunately I couldn't go this year, so... I just want to give uh, a testimony, if you could just turn to Isaiah uh, ten twenty seven. You know, we see uh, missionaries and they, they have these little uh, missionary cards. And on their cards they'd have uh, a Bible verse that they'd have. And uh, I've been praying, uh, it's been a while that it, to be able to share my full testimony. But I've been asking the Lord to see if he would uh, place a Bible verse upon me that I could use within my uh, testimony. So he's given me uh, Isaiah 10, 27, which says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So his burden taken away, his yoke shall be destroyed, anointing. You know, um, farmers, well, they want to um, plough fields. They would use lango, they would use an animal called an ox because it was the only strong enough animal that would pull the plough. But what would happen is that the ox would get too strong for the farmer. So what they would do is that uh, while the ox was a baby, they would yoke the ox. And as the ox grew older, the only thing that they knew was the yoke, so it would obey it. So, you know, the devil is no different. You know, what the enemy tries to do is that he tries to yoke us at an early age. And, and you know, August 27th, uh, 2014 is when my yoke and my burden came away. It was, I was standing at, see, coming up uh, as a family and growing up in a family as a loving parent, we were victimized when we were younger as being abused. And I remember standing outside, um, my cousin, cousins, it was a lovely uh, sunny evening, and 
my life was just totally just I didn't want to live no more because of what we've experienced so it was a sunny afternoon and we were given this uh, Kathy was coming around and she was putting leaflets into the uh, the house and uh, there was just this one leaflet that I received and um, it was that night that I crumpled up that leaflet and I stuck it into my pocket but it was that night that I was going to commit suicide because I was just sick of my life because of what I've been through and um, that leaflet fell out of my pocket now I couldn't see nothing else on that leaflet only the truth will, will set you free that's all it was in big bold uh, writing and I just said to myself that I wanted to find out this truth you know wanted to find out more so I attended the uh, it was the second um, Bible study in McCroom and uh, I, um, I attended that and talking with pastor about uh, uh, salvation and whatnot. I'm just so thankful that he still has hair left on his head, you know, <laughs> and uh, that God just intervened that day, you know, because if he didn't, I wouldn't be here today, you know. So I'm just so thankful that um, he has and been discipled and uh, everything. You know, someday I, I do hope that uh, I'll be able to share uh, my full testimony, but that was the verse that the Lord gave me, and I just wanted to, just to say, just a small bit of it. expecting to give a testimony but since Nathan volunteered me I might as well um, <laughs> so um, just men's camp just a couple of things that I learned that were cool from Noah's life uh, Noah did all that was commanded him the way God told him to like um, Noah was given specific instructions on how to build the ark um, like build it you know to a certain height and a certain depth and you know the, the width and etc the height you know you get the point but uh, God, uh, Noah did it exactly the way God told him to do it. So that's how we should, uh, you know, practice Christianity. We should practice it according to exactly what God says in the Bible and uh, not deviate from it with our own ideas and stuff. And uh, just another point was, like, I think Dan said at the, at the men's camp, everyone has an arc to do, uh, you know, a project that they should do in their life. So, like, God's will for Noah was to build an ark. But God's will for, you know, us will be to do something else. Uh, and we have a choice whether we want to do it or we, whether we don't want to do it. But uh, we can see from the example of Noah, if we do it, uh, we'll be successful. And, you know, we can be, um, we can be uh, basically, fulfill God's will. And Hebrews eleven seven. if you want to turn there, I just had some thoughts on that as well. Um, Hebrews eleven seven. So I just had some thoughts on this, just in case I had to do the uh, popcorn preaching at the men's retreat, but we didn't get a chance. So just basically, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. 
So it's just interesting that it says, by faith Noah uh, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So Noah's situation was no different to ours. Like we often times think it was easy for those guys in the Bible, like Moses and Noah and Jesus, or not Jesus, but like, uh, you know, the prophets and stuff, because they actually heard God speaking to them audibly. And so we're just like, oh, well, they heard God speaking to them audibly. But it's the same for us. We, right. we have God speaking to us through the Bible. Right. They had God speaking to them audibly. Right. And they had to basically obey by faith as well. Like Noah could have been think, thinking to himself, you know, how do I know that that was God's voice? How do I know that it wasn't in my head? How do I know that it wasn't a devil, a demon talking <coughs> to me or whatever, you know? Just the same way as we can have doubts about the Bible. But we can see that, uh, you know, Noah probably had like, you know, since he was building the ark for 120 years, I think it was, he probably had some doubts after 50 years, you know, is this really what, you know, what I should do? You know, there's no <laughs> such thing as rain. You know, it doesn't look like it's going to flood the world or whatever. But in the end, you know, his faith came through. And, you know, when the rain started to fall, he realized, you know, I was right to do this and uh, build the ark. Just the same as, you know, if we fulfill the Bible and keep going and and, and uh, just keep the faith, you know, we'll be glad in the end as well when it comes time for you know, Christ's Christ, Christ return. And uh, and just another point in this verse, it says he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So I'm just thinking, like, I kind of apply that to my family and stuff who aren't saved because, uh, like, Noah invested time in trying to save his family or trying to trying to win them. He actually prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And I was just thinking, like, we've only, like, just a short time on the earth that we can actually preach to our family members, witness to them, and we ought to take like every opportunity uh, to the saving of our house. So, it's just a couple of thoughts. But, yep. Is there? It isn't exactly a testimony, but I did have a thought about the men's camp and how uh, a virtue of the men's camp. Um, I was just sitting there, actually, um, is that there is a lot of emphasis about puts on the wilderness and how men's camp is, in a sense, out in the wilderness. And it can help us to connect with God spiritually to leave. And just the leaving is significant. That's something else I had thought of. Uh, I was going to come up and do uh, and say something was I want I wanted to encourage people to read the Bible every day. Um and just, just to encourage them to read the Bible every day. And the the verse if you want to turn to Psalm one nineteen forty eight. My hands also I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I'll meditate in thy statutes. Something, one thing to think about, about reading the Bible, is that, you know, a lot of people will read parts of it, and like with, with a devotional, some, a lot of devotionals will say, you know, um, here's your verse, you know, or, you know, I mean, you go to church, you know, the pastor will say, oh, you, you turn, turn to this verse, you know, 
and and then they'll they'll, they'll think, oh, I, I read the Bible, but you know there is so much around that when people when people read it that way, and there's a lot of ideas whether you're Catholic or Baptist or Messianic or Pentecostal. There's so many ideas and phrases and customs that are nowhere in the Bible, and to really know that something is not in the Bible, you have to read the whole thing. You have to know the whole thing. So that, that's um, one reason to read, not not you know, to not not to not read a part of it, but that you need to read the whole thing as a whole. And um, another thing that I was thinking about is that you know in different parts of the Bible where it says to read the Bible. Um, different parts of the Bible were written at that time. So where it says back here to read the Bible, it's talking about back part back here, this part. Mm-hmm. And where it says over here, it's talking about the whole thing. So um, and if you think about you know, something really not so um, some people wouldn't really think of it as important, but uh, about the genealogies in the Bible, you know, you know people will say, um, kind of jokingly, they'll joke about it, like, you know, even need to read those parts, and you know, that you know, something you read to put you to sleep at night, or something like that. But um, obviously, that's a joke, because obviously that's not why they're in there. And you know, I would kind of wonder, why are they in there? Um, and I started thinking about other. Just other lists of names that people just thought of just as lists of names, but you know, in history books, you know, the Bible is a history book and it teaches us history. And but there are also, for example, um, next to the church, often we'll see a graveyard. And whether that's biblical to have a graveyard next to a church, but um, that is significant to me. And a lot of people would put what will put um, their genealogies into their Bible, into their family Bible. And that, that's also seems significant to me, and it, it does seem biblical, um, because they aren't just lists of names. Because a name is given to a person for a reason, and you know, I will list these names because they are names of people who actually lived, and God wanted to give significance and honor to these people. So there is that. You know, there's reason for every single part of the Bible, and you know, even the parts people don't even think of. That's all. I was really, you know, wasn't planning to give a testimony or uh, a, a little thought, but uh, there's just something little there, you know, that's speaking to my heart, you know. And uh, first of all, I'm just to say. I'm really blessed again with this camp, you know. Every time I go, I am always so blessed, you know. Encourage me all the time, from you know, as as we walk, you know, as a Christian, as we walk with the Lord, we we we, we, we become uh, we become tired, we we get worn out, and you know, a lot with the, with the trials and all the uh, the hardship of life, you know. But. Uh, yeah, I am encouraged, and uh, again, you know, just to keep going, you know, as a Christian, and uh, just a little thought that really st- stuck out with me all, with all the preachings. I know we, we had uh, great preachers, you know, we had great messages from different preachers from 
started with Brother Don, uh, Pastor Don and uh, Kate Hamilton and Pastor um, uh, Kate Hamilton, yeah, and Pastor Stuart Harvey from, from Wales. But uh, uh, the message is really from Keith, which is about standing alone in, in, in the service for God, you know, really stuck me out, you know, really hurt me, uh, hit me to be, you know, all the just very brief, with all just very brief aspects that he was talking about, about, uh, you know, uh, Noah walking with God, you know, and as, just like us today as a Christians, we, we walk with God, you know, sometimes faithfully and sometimes unfaithfully, you know, just like myself, you know, and uh, we, we just need to, to be more faithful, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's, one, that's the only message I want to, to, to pass on, you know, to be more closer to him, you know, in, in walking with him, you know, and to, to follow all his words, you know, hearken unto his word, you know, and, uh, and uh, also be accountable to, to his word, <coughs> unto God, you know, all his commandments, and to also to be willing to be humiliated, you know, with in, in, in from different places, you know, in our workplaces, in school, or, and also to be willing to be peculiar, you know, from in this world. And uh, also, I got uh, a message as well that we need to be, you know, from one of the men or few men there, as like uh, as, as Brother Dan said earlier, that we need to be more prayerful. You know? We need to be to be more pray one another more. You know, as a Christian to our brothers and sisters. You know, because uh, prayer is the only weapon that we have. You know, as a Christian to so that God will really help us. And uh, I'd say that's it. Thank you. chapter 7. Well, Genesis chapter 6 first. Alright. <clears throat> you know, people ask, you know, maybe you've heard this question, where's God? Where is He at? Uh, why does He reveal Himself? You know, uh, if he really is there, why does, why does he do something for me that, to prove himself that he exists? Um, well, you and I, we both already know that he has given us a revelation. He has revealed himself by his word and throughout creation. Um, all throughout scripture, God gives symbolisms of who he is. Uh, you look at the Old Testament with the tabernacle and, and all the different pieces in there uh, was a, a representation, a symbolism of uh, to them to help understand who God was and is. And, um, and so it's all throughout Scripture. There's a lot of symbolism that we look at um, and how God is revealing himself to us. And um, this, uh, this evening, real quickly, I wanted to kind of focus not just on Noah, but I want to focus on the ark. 
because um, sometimes we, you know, we we do focus on Noah because he yes he was the, a righteous man and and things like that. Um, we need to to see exactly why God told him to build the ark. Uh, there was a purpose, not just the saving of his house, but when we look here in Genesis chapter six um, and verse number fourteen, God shows and reveals Himself. Just in these few verses, just, I mean, it's really cool if you really take time to study this out and look it out. And uh, just for the sake of time, I'm just going to briefly just uh, uh, comment on it really more than anything. If you look at verse number 14, it says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it, or make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And so here, uh, God tells Noah specifically uh, these few verses here to build an ark. Um, now, again, as Eric said, uh, Noah didn't dream of this himself. It wasn't a plan that Noah just thought up and said, you know what, um, there's going to be a... a just in case something bad happens, I'm going to build this big boat. <laughs> it wasn't what Noah did. Um, until that time, again, as, as Scripture says, there was no rain. Uh, there was no possibility of it because God watered the earth um, in a supernatural way because the mist rose up and, and, uh, and uh, watered the earth. So rain was never, was never a possibility. Um, but as you look here, why did God bother telling us these details? I mean, why didn't you say, and God told Noah to build an ark? You know, why not just stop there? You know, leave it up to him. Why does God go through extensiveness of showing us the dimensions, what the tabernacle was built of, why, why each piece was a certain uh, length, height, weight, uh, what it was decorated with, why it was laid with gold, things like that. God takes specific time to tell us these details because he wants to reveal himself to us. Through Scripture, and um, and sometimes they go over our head because we, we, we just don't. A lot of times we just don't study it out. And um, but here we look at the ark real quickly. Look at verse number fourteen, the very last part of it. It says, "And shall pitch it within and without with pitch." In other words, that pitch was what sealed the wood. Uh, you know, if you, you, you when you have when you're building something like a a deck or or something like that or a porch uh, outside. You always seal it because you want to make it waterproof, don't you? Um, well, uh, that pitch was to seal the ark. It was to make sure that the water wouldn't seep in through the cracks, that it would keep the ark secure from the rain. Uh, now, that is a symbol, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. That is a symbol of the Holy Spirit because just like that pitch sealed the, uh, the, the ark from the rain and, being, and then sinking, uh, the Holy Spirit seals us unto redemption. Um, uh, Galatians 4.30 says, and or, it's either Galatians or Ephesians 4.30, I forgot to write the actual book, but it's 4.30 something. And uh, he says, and gave not um, his, the Holy Spirit, and grieved not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now look at verse number uh, 15, or verse number 16, the very last part. It says, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Um, God is revealing himself through these Three stories. He's revealing himself that he is a triune God. Um, he's purposely said, make it three stories. 
And um, because if you know, there's no way that Noah would have found salvation except by getting in the ark. And God was revealing himself, just these little, these, these little details about these different things. Uh, because 1 John 5, 7 says, for these, uh, for these are, or, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And um, God was revealing himself in the building of this ark. And lastly, if you look in verse number um, 16, and it says here, A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, the lower, second, third story shalt thou make it. There was one door. There wasn't more than one door. There was one door. And um, that was the only way that, they, that Noah was going to be able to get salvation is he had to go through the door. That's the only way. And the thing is, if you look here at uh, Genesis uh, 7, verse 4, the Bible says here, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. This door revealed both God's grace and the opportunity for, uh, and, and that the opportunity for salvation is timed. He had seven days in order to tell his family, his friends, everything that it's going to rain, judgment's coming. Now, um, what would you do if you had seven days? If you knew that Jesus was coming back in seven days, what would you do? Who would you talk to? What what would you have? Would you just you know? Would you make time for people? Would you make time for your family to tell them the gospel? Would you make every single effort that you could to warn them one last time? I believe that's exactly what Noah did. He he did that. I, I, I truly believe that he uh, he loved his family just like you and I love our family. And um, I'm sure he tried to reach out to his wife's family, his his daughter-in-law's family, everything he could. But when that seventh day came, God said, come unto me. Come into the ark. Um, come where I am. And uh, when Noah entered that ark, now he, doesn't, he didn't know what, ta- what hour that, that uh, the rain would come. But when before it started to rain, if you look here in verse uh, Genesis seven sixteen, it says, And they went in, and they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord er, shut him in. Once that time ended for people to be able to get into that ark, God shut the door. Nobody could, end, nobody could open it. God sealed it. Because, uh, I mean, can you imagine when they were, uh, as the rain started to come and people, you know, they realized that Noah wasn't a fool anymore, that he was right. Can you imagine them running to the ark and start bound, you know, banging on the door saying, Noah, let us in, let me in. You were right. All these years, you were right. Let me in. Uh, open the door. And I'm sure Noah would have loved to open that door to let people come in. But it was too late. They had missed their chance. They said, no, no. God, I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to believe what Noah says. And one of these days, that's going to be the same exact thing. When the rapture happens, people are going to say up until that day, no, not interested I uh, don't want God. I've got too much. Uh, I've got too much stuff I have to do. Um, not interested in God, and yet when the rapture happens, it's gonna be too late for them. They're gonna lose their opportunity to get saved. They're gonna lose that chance. You see, Jesus is that door. Turn with me real quickly to John chapter ten. John chapter ten.
So I want to quit, uh, finish with just a, two verses and we'll be finished. John chapter 10, verse number 7 and 9. John chapter 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse number 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Uh, There's no way for salvation besides Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the only door. And if there's someone here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Him alone, then you're going to have to make sure that that is your door because there's no other way of getting salvation. He is the one and only. Uh, You know, just like as God told Noah, come into the ark. Look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And I'll finish with this verse. Revelation 22, 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For those seven days that ark, that the door of that ark was open, anybody could have caught onto that ark. Anybody could have made the decision to go and get on the ark and to believe God and to believe Noah. But no one did except for seven other people in his family and that's it and yet right now god is saying come 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 while you can come and it's up to us whether or not we make that decision to come i'll go ahead and uh, close in a word of prayer and hand things over to dan father we thank you so much again lord just for your grace lord there's so much that we can learn and and um just even just a little glimpse and snapshot of just how amazing this ark actually was. I wish I could have uh, had a lot more time to devote just how amazing, um, Lord, you revealed yourself through this this uh, um, this creation that uh, you gave Noah to build. And uh, Father, I do pray that, um, Lord, it would be an encouragement to us to study Noah more, and, and just not to put in the back of my mind and say, "Oh yeah, I know that story," because sometimes our familiarity with it. Um, kind of makes us blind to um, just how amazing it is. Lord, you put it in your word for a reason. And um, Father, I do pray that you bless our evening tonight. In Jesus' name I pray.